You are listening to the Testudo Times Podcast Network. Hey, everybody, and welcome back to the Testudo Times Podcast. Dylan Spilko here alongside Lauren Rosh. No Sam Ostry today. Sam Ostry is out of town and unavailable, so it'll just be us today. And this one is going to be specifically about Maryland men's basketball's newest addition, and it was to the head coaching staff. And Kevin Willard is finally on board. He had his introductory press conference on Tuesday. So we figured we'd make the, this entire part of the show about him because this is a big moment in Maryland men's basketball history. Kevin Willard, 10th coach to ever join the program. He's obviously coming over from Seton Hall where he lasted for 12 seasons, accumulated a 225 and 161 record. So he's clearly got the, the past experience to join this Maryland program. And we got to hear from him from on the first time on Tuesday. And we finally got, we got to see his family. We got to hear from a bunch of speakers talking about adding Willard onto the program, some of the expectations that are coming along with him. So Lauren, let me chime you in here. We were both at that introductory press conference what were some of your initial reactions from that? And just what did you get from Willard from that? I think he spoke for like 20 to 20 something minutes after uh, a bunch of people spoke. So what did you think of what he had to say? Yeah, I mean, I think it's been said already here and there, but I feel like he said the right things to kind of get this fan base around behind him early on. I think that it's not a secret that whoever was going to come in was going to have to you know, kind of get behind, get that fan base behind them kind of early on. And he just said all the right things, you know, kind of immediately like going off script from what he had written down and talking about, you know, get, you know, a big buzzword in Maryland athletics, Gary Williams, understandable, you know, led um, Maryland men's basketball to that 2002 national championship and just continuously referencing him and talking about, you know, everything that he brought to the program and how he wants to kind of implement that. And it just kind of felt like he was saying the right things. Again, it's, it's, there's difference between saying and doing, and he obviously will have a chance to kind of show what he can do in the next season or upcoming seasons. But realistically, just initially from that press conference, he really seemed to kind of win over the crowd, at least that was there. And then afterwards, I think people have generally responded pretty well to kind of what he was saying about, you know, what his vision for the program and program is and what his expectations are. And it's clear that the administration also, or that the administration is excited about him and feels like they, he supports their vision. Yeah. I think there were, were a lot of good moments from that press conference, just looking at what Willard was saying and talking about the transfer portal and building a culture and, you know, all those not, I don't want to say cliche head coaching things, but you know, the typical things that, a new a new head coach should be saying at a at a really really big new oper- job opportunity that has a lot of expectations that come with it and you know a lot of when this hiring was made uh, just i forget how many exactly days it was ago like four through the announcement was on monday right so it was on monday so that's only like a few days ago and when that initial announcement came out uh, he was Willard was always one of the favorites. It was always expected that it was going to be uh, Kevin Willard or you know another guy from a, a top school that was going to eventually accept the job. And people first called this hiring uh, on social media. There was a lot of talk about it being boring, how it's not really outside of the box. 
but you, you got to look at I, – I did a piece – we both did articles on uh, Kevin Willard yesterday, and he, he does have the pedigree. He really does have the, the track record to take over a job like this. And that's what I think a lot of people on social media don't re- really understand about just what Willard did with the program at Seton Hall. If you just look at the, the program in general, they made – since since joining the Big East in well, – I'm looking up the stat now. Since joining the Big East in 1979-1980 season, they've only made – they made the NCAA tournament nine times in 31 years leading up to Willard's tenure. And then in the, past, in the five of the last six NCAA tournaments, Seton Hall found itself in it. So there's just a, a big – you know, there was a big gap of not much success in the NCAA tournament before Willard came, and now Seton Hall, all of a sudden, they're a yearly NCAA tournament team. So it just comes to show how far Willard has brought this team, and I just wanted to get maybe your opinion on if you think that he's the right guy for the job. With And a lot of schools were announcing head coaches early, Florida, uh, South Carolina, Georgia, they were all announcing new head coaches in Maryland followed right along and announced the head coach early on. Do you think that Willard is the right guy for the job? And what do you think he's going to bring to this team next year? Yeah, it's interesting. I think that, you know, it's, there's a lot of potential here for Willard in this program. When you look at what he was able to do at Seton Hall and kind of the way that he turned, he a hundred percent turned that program around and they needed him and he did a fantastic job and was there for, you know, his, his, his uh, 10 plus years. And so I think that the one thing that stands out about Willard that I think probably stands out to a lot of Maryland fans is I think fans were upset with um, Mark Turgeon because of his track record in the tournament and Seton Hall doesn't have Seton Hall under Kevin Willard didn't have the most fantastic record in the tournament. I think that they were one in five only making it to that second round once. And in that second round, they almost beat, number one seed Kansas, but fell a little bit short. So I think like probably that season they, or in that season, they had a lot of momentum going for them. But when I think people look at Willard, they think kind of like, how can he be different? But the big 10 is different than the big East. And I think big 10 has different resources than the big East does. And again, this is something that's been pointed out before, but he's never had the opportunity. The the big East is a challenging conference. Yes. But he's never had the opportunity to coach in the big 10 and the big 10 is just a different, kind of animal than some of these other conferences. And I mean, we've seen it. We've seen Big Ten teams beat each other up all season in the tournament, in the regular season, and then get to the NCAA tournament. And some of the teams kind of just don't perform as well. And I think others kind of, you have others that are doing better right now. And it's not uncommon. We saw it last year, nine teams this year from the Big Ten went to the NCAA tournament. And realistically, Maryland was kind of that 10th team if you look at it that way, which is really wild to think about because in the rankings, they were the 10th seed. But when you look at Kevin Willard and kind of how he fits into this puzzle, I think that he's a a good hire in the sense that he's shown that he can kind of take a program out of a lull. And I think people think that Maryland's in a bit of a lull. I would be remiss not to mention the season that they had in 2020 before it was cut short that, you know, it really did look like that could be a season where Turgeon and the team made a deep run. But I think Willard is going to have to make some adjustments, which is something he's obviously very good at, and kind of just adapt to the Big Ten. But I think that being in the Big Ten is going to pose a challenge, but also may 
give him the opportunity to do better in the NCAA tournament. It's just a very different, he's never worked, you know, with big 10 players on his team and kind of dealing with that. So I think, you know, although that might be something that people are looking at as kind of a hesitation with him, it's a whole different kind of experience in the big 10 trying to advance in the tournament now. Yeah. If you just look at the the big East where Seton Hall resides, you see teams like Villanova and UConn and Providence, Creighton, Marquette, Xavier. It's, it's a bloodbath, just like the Big Ten is. And I think that when you're in a conference with so much talent and there's so much talent to go around and you still see a team like Seton Hall finishing with an above 500 record for like, I don't know, seven, eight, nine consecutive seasons, it's, it's really impressive, especially considering that Seton Hall, before Willard, they're not – much of a basketball school, not much of just an athletic school in general. And Seton Hall has really risen up under Willard. And I think there's something to be said about his poor NCAA tournament record. But at the end of the day, his NCAA tournament losses should not reflect the same as Maryland's NCAA tournament losses. I think they are not the same exact kind of parallel. And the fact that he was able to get the Seton Hall team to just the first round in general without having to even play in a play-in most of the time, that, I mean, it's just impressive in its own right. And I think that he really took that program uh, just, just to a new level of even recruiting as well. And Willard showed that he could recruit and he could coach really good players. Uh, Mamishka Vili, Sandro Mamishka Vili is one of the big men that I wrote about in one of my articles that's comparable to a Julian Reese. And I think that's, that his, the player development is something that Willard's going to really have to focus in on here at Maryland because there are still a few pieces here on the roster that uh, just, I mean, the only player that's transferred so far is Marcus Dockery. There are, I think there are, there should be on more changes to be made, but there is options. There are transfer options in the transfer portal. There are options on this roster right now with players like Akeem Hart, Dante Scott, Julian Reese, Caduce Wahab is still here. Ian Martinez is still, was, was just a sophomore this year. So the only player that's really transferred out and changed things is Marcus Dockery, who officially went to Howard, but, Willard made this clear that Maryland is a top 10 job in college basketball. He said, quote, I would not be here. I would not have moved my family and left a place. I would love very, I love very dearly if I didn't think this was a place we should be winning national championships. So he thinks that Maryland is a really solid place to coach basketball. It's a solid place to recruit. And I think that Maryland's, you know, I, I don't think they should be upset with this hire. I think that's what I'm getting to about, what stood, like, what stood out to me about this press conference, I think they should be somewhat inspired by what Willard had to say and what he can bring to this program. And just shifting gears a little, in the event, in the, in, in the introductory press conference as well, Damon Evans went out of his way to mention Danny Manning, which was, which was really awesome. It was, you know, we were happy because Danny Manning had, he, he's joined on the staff with Turgeon in 2021. They both had a joint media availability on Zoom to talk about being reunited back on the same coaching staff, working together. And then Turgeon left in, in December when after Maryland lost to Virginia Tech by four points. And, and Manning stepped in as the head coach. It was not an easy situation. And he really led Maryland uh, through a real, one of the, the rockiest seasons in program history. Uh, just what do you have to say about what Evans had to say about Manning and what he did with the team this season? Yeah, I mean, I really respect Danny Manning as um, a person and a coach. I think that 
he was probably in one of the most difficult situations um, that he could have imagined himself when it comes to his career, coming to work with somebody who you, you know, really, I was, I remember being on that press conference in April and hearing them talk about and like kind of just seeing the excitement that the two of them had to be working together. And then for Manning to kind of have to step in and, you know, he said it a hundred times, but it's not in the coaching manual. It's like not what you learn when you want to be a coach. And so I just have tremendous respect for him. And I think the players seem to have a lot of respect for him as well. Something that I think will stick with me for a long time is when we were at the big 10 tournament in that um, final press conference that we went to with um, Fats Russell and Eric Ayala, both taking time in their press conference to thank Danny Manning specifically, and just kind of seeing all of them be emotional about it is it just shows how much they value Danny Manning and how much Danny Manning values them. And I think there's so much that we don't see and there's so much that, you know, everybody goes through on their own and that I'm sure that they've been dealing with a lot together, probably all the public stuff that we hear about and then also just stuff that they all have going on. And so I really appreciated that Damon Evans kind of talked about um, Danny Manning's professionalism and his grace, because those are two words that I too would use to describe um, Danny Manning. He is just maintained such a calmness throughout the season in a positive sense, not in the, like not in the negative sense of the word, but just was very, I felt like even Keelan did a really good job in kind of leading this team. Obviously there would have been probably for Maryland fans a more ideal outcome, but you know, so these, some of these games he coached in the big 10 against ranked opponents were so close. He lost what three games to ranked opponents and for where they lost by four points or fewer, that Purdue game always will stick out to me as well. And like, I think he just really led with, I agree, professionalism and grace, and it couldn't have been easy. And I just really appreciated the way that they acknowledged that on what was such a public stage, considering it was, you know, broadcast on Big Ten Network and on other platforms. And I think that Yes, probably Maryland fans wanted a different outcome with the season, but I think given the circumstance, he did a very fantastic job at rallying this team behind him and behind the program to continue fighting like they did. Yeah, seriously. I mean, this team really fought under Manning, and they really showed uh, the heart, especially in the, in, in the Big Ten tournament against Michigan State. Maryland ended the regular season under Manning with three ranked wins, number 20, Florida, number 17, Illinois, number 22, Ohio State, all fell while bench boss Manning was leading the Terps. And Maryland had four other really close games. And the, the, the specific one that I want to mention is the Purdue one because it's just placed at a point in the schedule where it kind of just shows how much this team fought under Manning. If you look back in late January, Maryland beat number 17, Illinois, by 16. Then it beat Rutgers by eight on the road. It seemed that Maryland was on the up and up. And then four straight losses against Indiana, a two-point loss against Michigan State, a 15-point road loss to Ohio State. And then when they gave up 110 points to Iowa at home, that was kind of like you felt as though the effort wasn't there in that game. And you can tell that Manning's words – likely resonated after that game and he really struck a chord with this team because just three days after it was February 10th they lost 110 to 87 to Iowa at home on their home court and then three days later they're playing at number three Purdue the Big Ten's Goliath and they come out with a really strong defensive performance against who is now a, a national contender they're one of the Purdue's one of the 16 teams remaining in college basketball and Maryland 
went into Was- Was- They went into West Lafayette to play Purdue, and they only lost 62-61. It came down, I think it was Fats Russell who had a chance to win the game at the buzzer from midcourt or somewhere far away. But at the end of the day, losing by one to Purdue is, was by far – I thought they were going to lose that game by 20, 25. And the fight that they showed in that game to just only lose by one just shows, especially after coming off of a four-game losing streak, it just shows what Manning had to say after that Iowa loss and how he still had control of the room because it's, it's easy to lose control of a room when your expectations are already at the door. You're, you're in the latter half of the regular season. And for Manning to really reel his team back in and then to finish the regular season with uh, four wins in their last six games, you know, it was just really impressive. And to really end it all off, and, and we said it was really all, it was really poetic in that Michigan State game in the Big Ten tournament when Maryland was down 57 to 37 with like 13 minutes left. They, they were out of the water. They, it was basically dead at that point. And then they started to come back and they eventually got it to a two point game and it was turnover after turnover. And then Michigan State ends up winning and advancing, but the, st- the story of the game was Maryland's ferocious comeback and how Michigan State almost let a-, a hungry Maryland team upset them. And I think that's just what Manning turned this team into. And it, it was just impressive overall. And yeah, I mean, yeah, go ahead. I think just to touch upon what you were saying, when we had the chance to see Purdue play in person when we went to um, – the Barclays Center for when Maryland played Florida. Um, Purdue had the game before, and I remember seeing Purdue and thinking, you know, this Mar- like at the point Maryland was at, like they were going to have some trouble. And this was before Maryland had picked up a single ranked win, obviously, because um, they hadn't played Florida yet. And I remember thinking Maryland is going to have a lot of trouble when they played Purdue kind of later in the season in West Lafayette, considering how Purdue was playing in that game. It was very exciting. And my perspective just changed as I kind of saw the way that Danny Manning was able to kind of collect this team. And I agree that Iowa game was probably the hardest, one of the hardest ones to watch this season in terms of just like seeing kind of them feel it's seeming like they felt a little bit more defeated maybe than they had in other points of the season. The way that Iowa was shooting was unbelievable. And I think it's probably feels a little bit deflating, but I completely agree that you know, just that Purdue game felt like almost a turning point in the season. And it's not like, and I, I wouldn't say that it was a turning point, like too little, too late or anything like that, because I truly think that for them, like they played a season that I think that they can be really proud of the way that they finished given everything that was going on. And I think you forget, or I forget, I think sometimes that before Turgeon had left the program, they were off to a rocky start and like, it wasn't, like they were coasting through non-conference play like they have been in the past. And then when they got to big, big 10 play, things got difficult. This is something, you know, kind of, it was a tough season all along, starting with super high expectations and going into this rockiness. And, you know, given like when it's all said and done, they work, they clearly played hard and played for each other and seemed to have a lot of respect for each other and for the coaching staff that they worked with that, you know, I just, I think that, I agree like that Michigan state game was pretty emblematic of the season that they had. And, you know, coach Manning did a really, I think he did a really great job at kind of rallying this team together. Yeah, certainly. So I, well, that ends Danny Manning's interim head coach career at the university of Maryland with the hiring of Kevin Willard. And 
there were a, a lot of things to take away from Willard's press conference, an emphasis on the postseason. That's obviously what's on everyone's minds getting back to the NCAA tournament. His turnaround at Seton Hall, how he, how he built up that program. Willard accumulated 28 wins over AP top 25 teams over his head coaching career. And surprisingly enough, Willard had the uh, 11 wins in the Big Ten since uh, the Terps joined the conference in 2014. And I think, I think that was tied for like, the most non-conference wins because uh, it's, it's non-conference or something is non-conference. Yeah, go ahead. I, I forget what the exact stat is. It's the most. He is the most non-conference wins against the Big Ten since the 2014-2015 season. So, like, as a non-conference team playing the Big Ten, he has the most wins. And I think five of those are on the road. And something that I mentioned to you the other day is I, I watched Seton Hall beat Maryland when at, um, at the Prudential Center a few years ago. And the expectations, the reason that, you know, it was a break and I was – up in New York and I thought it would be a great game to watch and be able to see, you know, a great Maryland team that was supposed to have a great Maryland season. And, you know, Kevin Willard and Seton Hall beat Maryland. And, you know, I remember thinking like I was pretty impressed with how Seton Hall was kind of able, like Seton Hall was not expected to win that game. And I, that's kind of something that I've been thinking about a lot these past few days is that, you know, that win over Maryland on the road for Maryland is just one of, I guess, 11 wins that Kevin Willard has had. And that being, you know, the most wins against a Big Ten team, other coaches on that list are pretty impressive as well. So I think that that could give Maryland fans like a little bit of positive insight into seeing potentially what he can do. Because again, he did that without Big Ten talent and Big Ten players. And again, Big East, very talented, Seton Hall. He's had some talented teams, but different than the Big Ten. And so seeing what he might be able to do with Big Ten talent is pretty telling based on that 11, those 11 wins. Yeah, I agree. I was also at that game as well. I didn't realize, I don't, I didn't remember the score. I, I just looked it up. It was 52 to 48. I didn't realize how crazily low scoring that was. So really reaching in the memory bank there. And then another big takeaway from Willard's press conference was that he used former beloved head coach, Gary Williams, as, as a big inspiration for what, he wants to to mold this culture into and he had a I, I forget the story from 1999 I, I see that you have it written down if you yeah. want to explain what he what Willard was talking about and how he kind of referenced Gary Williams in his introductory speech yeah so I touched upon this in the story that I had written for yesterday but in 1999 he was working as um, an assistant for the Boston Celtics and at the time, it like watching basketball was different. It wasn't like you could watch every game at all times like you can now. And it was Thursday night, and he turned on the TV, and Maryland was playing. And he remembers watching Maryland players essentially like race down the court and do all these fancy like dunks and alley oops and all this. And he remembers seeing Gary Williams, and he described him like kind of sweating and walking up and down the sideline and flipping his jacket and like doing all the things that I think Maryland fans envision Gary Williams doing. And he kind of, he said, you know, a direct quote, um, quote, I remember watching Maryland basketball. And I remember thinking to myself, I want to play for that man. I want to play for that school because they had such swagger. They had such confidence End quote. And, you know, there he's referring to Gary Williams and just the teams that Gary Williams coached. And, you know, he kept coming back to this term swagger and confidence and wanting to bring the swag back to Maryland basketball. And, you know, 
I'm not quite sure exactly what he means by that. He didn't quite define it. I think it's more of a feeling more than an actual um, tangible thing to Maryland basketball. But I think he wants other people. He touched upon this. Like, he wants other people to kind of turn on their TV and see Maryland basketball and say, I want to play there. I want to go there. I want to see a game. And he felt Gary Williams had that kind of magnetic pull about him. And so it's pretty clear that he wants to use Gary Williams as an inspiration, which I'm sure is something the fan base is very happy about. Um, I think that he feels, you touched upon this before, the expectations are high for him. People want to see Kevin Willard eventually bring this team back to a place where, you know, they're a national championship contender, which again has really not happened so many times in Maryland's entire basketball history. And quite honestly, when he talks about from 1990, what he talks about that moment from 1999, which is like when Maryland basketball is, I guess, in those seasons right before they're winning that national championship and the year before they win the national championship, they have the other successful season where they go make that deep run in the tournament. I think that realistically it's his way of telling Maryland fans, like I too watched all that happen and I really enjoyed watching it. And now I'm going to try and replicate that here because what better place to replicate it than where Gary Williams did it. And so that's kind of how he tried to rally the crowd. Right. And I think it's funny because things change just so quickly. If you, if it's not like Maryland has been in this endless stage of, you know, college basketball despair, they had a top 10 team no less than two years ago. And they won the, the big, they shared the big 10 title with a team that featured Daryl Morcell, Aaron Wiggins, Anthony Cowan Jr., Jalen Smith. They had so much talent and we're not so far removed from that time. But at the same time, it feels it feels it, this season felt like a lifetime for Maryland fans, and this entire introductory press conference and everything with Willard and everything on social media is pointing to just how, I guess, impatient this fan base is. It's only been, you got you got to look at some other schools and see some of their other droughts to to understand what a, a real drought is. Because once Maryland was in the NCAA tournament last season, they were there. They made it when they, when they didn't have a team that was good enough to make it. And they even won a round in that game. It's almost like fans so quickly forget how, how lucky they kind of are to, to witness as teams. that uh, It's almost like they didn't take those teams for granted, but I'm not, obviously not saying that for everybody. I'm just saying that, you know, Maryland had so much talent for so many years that it's almost like Maryland fans got numb to it. And the second things, you know, went down the drain this season, which so many others – you look at a team like – I don't know, just putting it out there, Xavier, a team that was supposed to make the tournament this year. They fell out, and they're, they're already moving – probably moving on from their head coach, Travis Steele. There are just so many other programs that are not, not in shambles, but just kind of in NCAA tournament purgatory where they, they can't seem to dig themselves out. And Maryland has only been in that drought for one season. So I think a perspective is needed with this signing. And the, the reported year, the length is seven years, and that's a long time for a head coach, in my opinion. Uh, college basketball reporter Andy Katz reported that. And he'll be making more than uh, Turgeon's extension that he, made, that he signed in, uh, I think it was April of 2021. So there's, there's, a, there's a lot of things with, with Willard to talk about. And the, there's, there's so many things to expect with him entering the scene. And Maryland fans – 
even even they're going to expect expected NCAA tournament appearance next year. No matter how the team looks, no matter how the team is formed, I'm sure Maryland is going to get players from the transfer portal uh, to build on the pieces that they have now. But the expectations are going to be high. That I think that's where I'm coming to with all this. Yeah, and I think that you know we're going to hear soon. Um, you know, there's been rumblings about his potential coaching staff, but we're going to get official word on who that is very soon. And, you know, he talks about it. He, he's recruited in this area. He's Seton Hall is not very far from where Maryland is, and he's recruited a bunch of these players. And he – a bunch of the players who are on Maryland now, but also a bunch of the players who go to schools from this area. And he has experience with it. And now being able to recruit in this area with Maryland behind him rather than Seton Hall is probably going to help him a lot as a recruiter. And I also think that as he hires his staff, he talked about having pieces who, you know, share the same vision with him, but also have experience within the DMV. So I think that the expectations are high. I agree. I think that depending on the pieces of this current roster that he can keep and how he works kind of just general recruiting in the transfer portal that, you know, there is a good chance that he will meet those expectations in, you know, maybe not national championship expectations right away, but, you know, show that there's not going to be so much of a drop-off perhaps between now and where the team has been. But just to go back to your point about what you were saying about how it hasn't been that long until since Maryland has last seen success. Like, I think that when you're a sports fan of a certain team, it's really easy to get like drown, like drown essentially in the season and in the moment that's going on right now, rather than looking at bigger perspective. And quite honestly, I think that Kevin Willard said all the right things in that introductory press conference to kind of pull people out of that single season drowning experience that maybe they're having. And quite honestly, when I think that we can expect to see a lot of that kind of going forward, like him, honestly, using when he's addressing the media and addressing the public, just kind of using that build off and that energy. Again, he's it's literally was his first few days here. So it's hard to kind of make this bold kind of prediction like this. But quite honestly, I think he is going to be like, we can expect him to kind of keep leading this way in the sense of just like being very confident, I think is the word. I mean, he, he was very confident in that press conference. I think he very much feels like he's the right person for this job and he's the guy who's going to bring Maryland back there. And maybe he is, maybe he's not. I don't really have the bandwidth to make that judgment, but he, I think that we can expect him to exude this confidence when it comes to recruiting. I think that that's going to be a big message kind of going forward is that, you know, I'm going to be your guy who's going to get it done and you're going to be a part of this program, whether it's like right now we're kind of building it back up and you're going to be part of that building or you're the one, I think, not to make a comparison, but we're seeing that kind of with Loxley in the football program, just like all these players are kind of really happy to be a part of the building process. And I'm not saying that basketball is going to be building the same way. I don't mean that that men's basketball will be building the same way. I'm not saying that at all, but quite honestly, I think that he kind of has this, pitch that he's the guy to do it and kind of like you should want to play for me in Maryland because we're going to get it done eventually and so I think we can really expect that confidence and it's going to shine through via the players as well right and he seemed he's the way he spoke he kind of seemed like the players coach I don't know he seemed he's he's had the the reputation of a coach that 
gets uh, you know gets players to work their tail off and I think that's exactly uh, I think I think that plays into a lot what Maryland did this year and I think that's the kind of style of head coaching that can that can help this team I think that it's not a style of coaching that's really going to dramatically change things up with the players that uh, are coming back so I, I I think that overall I think the Willard signing is a good one I I don't I don't think that Maryland had many other options I think the only thing I really have an issue with is the term on the contract. If it is indeed seven years, if he is indeed, if he is indeed making over four million a year, that places easily that places him easily within the top twenty of uh, Division One men's basketball coaches. So there's a lot of expectations that comes with that big contract. But Kevin Willard is here to stay. He's going to be here for a long time. He's going to have to build up this Maryland program, and Maryland fans finally got the chance to hear what he had to say on Tuesday. So I, I think that's all we got about Kevin Willard, unless you got anything else to share. All right. Great. I, yeah, I would just say that I think kind of what he really emphasized when you talk about being the players coach is meeting the players. Players aren't here right now. It's spring break for Maryland students. And so he only, I believe, at least at the time, only had met Dante in person, Dante Scott. He was on campus and that video was on Twitter and is out there, but you know, he's already met with them on Zoom, and I think for him, he's kind of ready to get to work and meet the team and get started. Yeah, all right. So that'll do it for this short episode of the Testudo Times podcast. We're going to be having an array of podcasts coming out this weekend. We have this one coming out today. Today is Thursday, and we will have another one out about women's basketball tomorrow. Our trio of women's basketball writers are all joining together, and they will be releasing a podcast tomorrow as well. And then Saturday, Lauren and I will be back releasing a podcast about all of the Maryland Olympic sports. It'll be a nice spring catch-up for everyone. So that'll do it for this episode one of this uh, three-part podcast is special. I guess we can call it on Testudo Times. And uh, you will hear from us again on Saturday from the update with Olympic sports. Uh, so thanks so much, and we'll get back to you then.